Welcome to another episode of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo with Colleen Daniel, still broadcasting from home. Along with the About Mansfield news team, we appreciate you being here today. We're up to episode 37 now, and coming up on this episode, Mansfield news, sports, and weather for the upcoming week. And as always, we will conclude this episode with the trivia question of the week for a $25 gift card to Brooklyn Pie and Cafe. Let's take a look at this week's headlines. This week, the COVID-19 epidemic appears to have leveled off to a new plateau in Mansfield after a declining trend. Local author addresses her fears in a new book. In sports, we preview the Mansfield ISD season football openers. We've sunk to new depths. I'm home improvement specialist Terry Radswin, and we'll see how far in the Ask Terry segment. Alexa is here with the seven-day weather forecast, and we will talk in studio with school board president Karen Marcucci. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. This is about Mansfield. Hey, Mansfield. Did you know cannabis is legal in Texas? I'm Sonia Salazar, co-owner of Wise Wellness. As cannabis educators and advocates, we can answer any questions you have regarding hemp-derived CBD. Wise Wellness carries a variety of products, including oils, topicals, edibles, and pet products. We are located on FM 157 beside Mansfield Fun Jewelry. As a thank you to the About Mansfield podcast listeners, we are offering a buy one, get one free special on select products. Just mention the podcast at checkout. Follow us on social media for our latest updates. Search for Wise Wellness. That's Wise, W-Y-S-E, Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon. Mother of three Mansfield students, wife, former teacher, and entrepreneur, I'm Corinne Fiagami, and my husband and I are extremely grateful for the teachers, staff, and administrators who make our district a destination for quality education. Our schools consistently score high marks on state accountability ratings. Many of our facilities are state-of-the-art, and our district and school leadership teams are committed to increasing the academic, social, emotional, and physical health of our children. As a school board member, I intend to make sure that all of our district-wide assets continue to serve our community's needs with excellence. That's why I'm here, to ask for your vote for MISD School Board of Trustees Place 7. We must ensure all of our children and receive the benefits of access to an excellent education. I'm Corinne Fiagami, and not only do I approve this message, I invite you to learn more at CorinneForMISD.com. Paid for by Corinne Fiagami for Mansfield ISD School Board. Your logo or emblem defines who you are, so why not show it off with custom printed shirts? I'm Dana Wood with Ohana Screen Printing. We are a custom screen printing company and can print your design or help you create a new design. While t-shirts are our specialty, we can print on all kinds of apparel such as masks, hoodies, bags, you name it. Ohana means family and that's exactly why we started Ohana Screen Printing, to bring our family and community together through creative expression. We look forward to adding you to our family. Rest assured that when you do business with Ohana Screen Printing, that your dollars stay local as we are a family-owned business based right here in Mansfield. If you're part of a business, organization, or sports team looking to make a visual presence, hit us up on Facebook or ohanascreenprinting.com. That's ohanascreenprinting.com. Hi, this is Tamara Bounds. For nearly a decade, I have worked with Mansfield citizens, city staff, multiple boards, commissions, and council members to bring good solutions to our challenges. That's why I'm running for Mansfield City Council Place 2. As your council representative, you can count on me to be your voice, to understand matters that are important to you, your family, and your business. 
and now is the time to make good use of our remaining vacant land, maintain fiscal responsibility while expanding taxpayer relief. We need to find lasting solutions to our growing infrastructure needs and recruit sustainable businesses that will provide higher wage jobs that give Mansfield a competitive edge over bordering cities. On November the 3rd, I am asking you to vote for Tamara Bounds for Mansfield City Council Place 2. For more information, visit my website, TamaraBoundsForCityCouncil.com. Paid for by Tamara Bounds Campaign. Hi, I'm Adam Larson, Operations Manager at the Mansfield Star Center, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield. This portion of the news is brought to you by Ohana Screen Printing. The COVID-19 epidemic appears to be on a plateau in Mansfield. About Mansfield's roving science reporter, Dennis Webb, has the story. Thanks, Steve. The spread of the virus appears to have leveled off at a new plateau after a declining trend in Mansfield. Reminder, as a city in Tarrant County, we are still under County Judge Glenn Whitley's executive order declaring a local public health disaster for the county. A week ago, we extended the, he extended the disaster declaration until the end of November. Judge Whitley and his public health team does not think we have beaten the virus yet. Given the Labor Day holiday, there is no Monday report, so I will use Saturday, September 5th. In the last week, Tarrant County reported 1,016 Mansfieldians as having tested positive, 876 are estimated to have recovered, and 23 citizens have died since the start. We had 54 new cases this past week, the same as the previous week. We're on a plateau, not going down. We had one new COVID-19 death in Mansfield this past week, a typical week since the start of the epidemic, and a tragedy for that family. On Saturday, the county estimated there are 140 active cases in Mansfield, that is, 140 fellow citizens who could pass the virus to another citizen if they weren't quarantining. This is about the same as a previous week, another indication of plateau. We had no new cases in the small part of Mansfield that is in Ellis or Johnson County. New information, Mansfield ISD has started doing regular online reporting of cases among staff and students. The most recent report shows 10 active cases among staff and 5 active cases among students. For students, they are only reporting infection for the in-person learnings, which started this week, and those who have been participating in Mansfield ISD extracurricular activities. Check their website to see reporting by individual schools. There's not enough data yet to see if there's a trend. From countywide numbers, daily testing remains steady and the test positivity rate remains hovering around 10%, well below the high of 20% in July, but still above the governor's goal of 6%. Countywide hospitalizations remain in the low 200 citizens each day, down from over 600 in July. The previous weeks of decline have been a really good sign that our behavior is putting the brakes on the spread of the virus with our simple civic actions, but this progress has stalled. In the words of our state and county leaders, when you're out and about, keep your distance from other people and wear a mask, wash your hands a lot, avoid crowds, and if you're old or sick, stay at home as much as you can. It is not time yet to let our, down our protective measures. We heard from a listener who wanted more context than my simple reports have offered. Last two weeks, I discussed testing cases and hospitalization numbers. Today, I will talk about the fatality report. While we get, do get fatalities uh, on a daily basis at the city level, they are blessedly low and intermittent, so I will again use numbers from the whole of Tarrant County to show what the trend is. 
In the past week, 28 citizens of Tarrant County lost their battle with the disease, the lowest number since mid-July, a very good thing, particularly as the previous week saw the record high of 54. What do these numbers mean? Fewer is better, but are current numbers bad? Well, let me uh, provide a little context using public, county, and state data. During the months of May, July, and August, it appears that COVID-19 was the third highest cause of death in the county, right behind cancer and heart disease, but edging out stroke, chronic lower respiratory disease, and other mortality categories. Chronic lower respiratory disease is basically what smokers die of if they don't die of cancer. In the month of August, Tarrant County saw 171 deaths attributed to COVID-19, a record high, even though we're on a downward trend. By contrast, Tarrant County sees between 10 and 20 deaths a month from automobile accidents. So in August, COVID killed a lot more people in the county than car wrecks that we normally fear, but less than cancer and heart disease. During the recent years where Tarrant County has reported an analysis of annual deaths, influenza and pneumonia, which are sometimes thought to be confused with, uh, with COVID, these two conditions were not even in the top 10 causes of death in the county. So where do these numbers come from? Well, it's a process that happens completely inside of Tarrant County with certification by senior county officials. Here's how I've experienced it in the deaths of my parents and mother-in-law. After a person dies, the medical examiner's office is notified, usually by the funeral home, and they communicate with the attending physician who fills out the form necessary to issue a formal death certificate, which, if your parent dies, you, you need a bunch of copies of the death certificate. This would happen, particularly in hospital deaths, which would be where most of the COVID fatalities are these days. When the death certificate is formally issued, the death is recorded, and by county practice these days, they put out a daily press release saying how many, how many people died of COVID or how many people's deaths from COVID were recorded on that day. Sometimes there's a delay of days or weeks before the death certificate is issued, as was the case for my mother-in-law as her attending physician was inexplicably reluctant to file it. The county numbers roll up to the state and, the, also, and the Centers for Disease Control at the national level also get the reports. What we see on the county's website about fatalities and it is entirely county-produced data. So, how's the cause of death determined? You know, people could, doctors, even doctors get confused. Well, if there's an attending physician, the doctor identifies the immediate cause of death as the, as the big piece of information, and whether there were other pathologies that incrementally led to the death. In the next place on the form, the doctor or his staff lists all known underlying conditions, whether they contributed to the death or not. If there is no attending physician, the county staff do research to complete the form. In rural counties without a health department, the county judge sometimes pre prepares the death certificate, as I recall happened with the death of Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia when he was on a hunting trip in West Texas. Contrary to the impression you get from TV crime dramas, only a very tiny percentage of deaths get an autopsy. The process is governed by state law, and there are criminal penalties for falsifying a death certificate. It's not a perfect process, as most old people who die have many things wrong with them, and this is the case for many of the COVID fatalities in Tarrant County. So the attending doctor makes a judgment. These are mostly the same local doctors who, before we had COVID-19 around, were doing this for the roughly 1,000 people who die in Tarrant County each month. 
In the science of epidemiology, fatality numbers are the gold standard for estimating how widespread a lethal epidemic is, as each individual death has this degree of diagnostic rigor and document discipline. I recommend watching the county and state numbers to gu- as a guide for your assessment of your own risk, with the national and international numbers as informational background. Next week, I'll have some more things to say about fatality statistics. As always, we welcome any listener science questions. Reporting from the Science Desk at About Mansfield, I'm Dennis Webb. Thank you, Dennis. If you have a science-related question, you can reach out to Dennis by email at info at aboutmansfield.com. Again, that is info at aboutmansfield.com. Fear, grief, healing, family, marriage, business, the list goes on. They're all real struggles in every woman's life, which is why Alicia Forbes got together with 129 women worldwide to co-author the book titled Promise. Forbes describes how the book came to be. And the book is basically written by women from the U.S., Canada, the UK and Korea. So it's 130 of us all coming together, sharing our obstacles, our struggles, our challenges, and how we overcame those struggles and obstacles with God's promises in His Word. Each of the contributing authors wrote a personal story about her conflicts in life. Forbes is very candid about her own story. I overcame the struggle of fear. So basically, there was a time in my life where I experienced fear um, from the people who I associate myself with, the people who I was around, who I was listening to. And that fear just um, implanted in me where I started to um, experience anxiety attack. And with that being said, I had to overcome that by getting into the Word of God, knowing what the Word of God stated in there, what the promises are in His Word. Alicia Forbes is hosting a book signing on Friday from 9 until noon at Mary Lou's Coffee Shop on East Broad Street. You can purchase a book on site and find out more information on her website at aliciaforbesbooks.com. Let's check sports. Here's Tommy Cummings. The high school football season kicks off for Mansfield ISD teams in less than three weeks. To preview the season openers and take a quick look at some of the teams, we've asked Brian Gossett, the high school football beat writer for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, to join us today. Brian previews Lake Ridge, Timberview, Legacy, Summit, and Mansfield High's season openers. You know, every year, as long as I've been here, Mansfield ISD, some of the top players and top uh, competition in the state, always enjoy going to Mansfield games. MISD folks are always are always great to us, to, to the Star Telegrams. Excited for those games, you know, start again. And the last couple of years, you know, it's been kind of Lake Ridge and Timberview at the top. Timberview uh, dropped down from, you know, 5A D1 to D2. And actually, they're with, you know, Alito's district now, so... You know, people predicting um, that Alito and Timberview are going to be one and two, and I don't know if you you saw, but Alito is one of the districts that moved into zones. And they split up the uh, 18 district into four zones, and Alito's in one zone, and Timberview's in another. And we'll see if we'll see if they'll match up for the district title. But yeah, Timberview's always pretty good. They got they got a couple good kids, a couple four stars. Uh, Landon Hullaby is a junior. 
defensive back, and he's one of the top players in the state. You know, then you, you kind of move to Lake Ridge. Um, always good under Kurt Thor and going far in the playoffs, third round, fourth round. There's going to be some challenges this year. You know, they graduated a good amount of kids. Uh, they returned 10 starters, only four on offense, and uh, six on defense, led by Braylon Jackson, who's another highly recruited guy. And so... Fairly confident. Uh, Kirk Thor's going to be able to, you know, find a group, good group of kids and a group of kids that will compete. I, I'm sure that five and five record from last year is, uh, you know, kind of a bad taste in his mouth. So I'm, I'm expecting a a bounce back season from them. What should uh, what should be the premier game for uh, the season openers? You know, I have to go. With uh, Mansfield Arlington, I because I mean it's at Belvoir uh, Park. It, it's going to be a, a crazy time there. The, the those three days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, uh, as far as I could see, there's eight games down there in three days. There's five at Belvoir Park and three at ATP Stadium. And uh, Mansfield and Arlington are just, you know, one of those games at Globe Life on Friday night. You know, Mansfield's another um, kind of good story. Unfortunately, losing Coach Mayberry, Daniel Mayberry, to uh, cancer in, in February and just following his story and, and the community. You know, he was so loved and cherished in Mansfield. And I know when he missed some time last year, you know, those kids played hard. They played for him. They're going to do the same this year. Dedicate the season. You know, Coach Gregory George uh, was with Mayberry for a long time, with Mansfield for a long time. He got promoted from uh, he got promoted to head coach. So, looking forward to what Mansfield can do. And, and then Arlington always, you know, good under Scott Peach, another great coach to to kind of work with and talk to. And Chris Sims, their quarterback, he's got a few offers, but 45 total touchdowns last year. You know, it should be a, a good matchup, and you know, excited to see really what uh, football is like at at Globe Life Park because I, I wasn't able to watch any XFL games there, but I've talked to some people, and you know, it's it works. Football football works at Globe Life uh, Park, so excited for that. All right, what can we expect out of uh, Legacy and uh, Trophy Club? Byron Nelson out at Newsom. Yeah, you know, Legacy and uh, I would probably put Legacy and Mansfield in that group where, uh, you know, when I first started at the Star, you know, they were kind of the, the top teams. And, you know, Legacy going to the state semifinals, uh, you know, back-to-back years. But they've lost – they've graduated uh, really good players, gone on to D1, you know, like Arkansas and, and schools like that. So it's kind of a, a rebuilding process still with uh, Coach Nelson. You know, didn't make the playoffs last year, but uh, they were four and seven. We actually have one of our top uh, defensive linemen, actually the number one defensive lineman in the Fort Worth area, David Ariba. Um, if I'm saying his, his name right, but he's a six four kid, two fifty, um, and committed to Notre Dame. So if you get a chance to watch Legacy, uh, make sure you you know lock your eyes on him because he's going to make some some plays. And Summit, um, another great coach to talk to, uh, Coach Hall. There, uh, he's been there a couple of years and kind of he's kind of slowly turning that program around. And you know they were in six A for a couple of years and then they dropped to five A D one. 
with uh, the Burgdales and Legacy, Midlothian, Red Oak, Richland. But yeah, they got uh, experienced team, 15 starters back, eight on offense. Another team that made the playoffs, seven and four in Class 6A and, and kind of that district of doom. So fairly uh, successful season for, for the Jaguars. And they got a lot of talent too. I mean, Hal Presley, uh, one of the top wide receivers. You know, Jacoby Jackson is uh, 6'5", offensive lineman. And for a while there, he was committed to, to TCU. I think a couple, maybe last week or a couple of weeks ago, he, he decommitted, but he's got some, some other high offers on the table. I think, I believe Hal, Hal Presley's, I think he's Baylor. He's a big kid, 6'3", wide receiver. Cameron Washington was among the top D linemen in, in my uh, Fort Worth area. So, you know, trying to build off momentum from, from that playoff team last year. And I know Coach got some work cut out. You know, quarterback Bryson McKinney graduated. But it looks like his his younger brother might be filling his spot. Uh, maybe David Hopkins, 6'2", kid. But they always stay competitive, like the whole district the whole district does. The Nashville team is competitive, and you can expect a dogfight every night. As a reminder, the Mansfield ISD's volleyball teams start their seasons in the coming days. The Mansfield Youth Baseball Association opens its season September 15th. They play games at Mansfield Sports Complex, Big League Dreams, and McClendon East Park. Visit myba.com for more details. That's it for sports in Mansfield. If you have any sports news, let us know. Reporting for About Mansfield, I'm Tommy Cummings. It's time right now for the Ask Terry Do-It-Yourself Home Improvement feature. Terry Radswin is our resident home improvement specialist and answers your questions about the place that you call home. Terry? Thanks, Steve. Today's question comes from Gregory, and he writes, We're looking at a house with an odd flooring situation. The living room and master bedroom are sunken between two and three inches from the rest of the house. I was wondering if anyone has ever seen this and have suggestions on how to level those rooms with the rest of the house. Could we have concrete poured in or could we build up the floor with wood? Any suggestions would be appreciated. Thanks for the question, Gregory, and yes, I've seen this situation before. It's actually pretty common in homes around here that were built by a few particular builders. They did it to accentuate these rooms and give the home more of a custom feel to it. But what it did was create issues like the one you're having. First, a potential trip hazard, and second, how do you deal with the elevation change when redoing floors? It's fairly easy to handle when it's carpet that's being installed because you can just upholster the extended depth of the walls with the same carpet, but it becomes a headache when installing a hard surface. You don't know whether to extend the floor surface up the walls or to use a larger baseboard or to have the baseboard follow the floor line from the adjacent room down into the sunken area. It also adds to labor and material costs. For those reasons, a lot of folks in recent years have eliminated the sunken rooms and leveled the floors up with the rest of the house as you suggest you'd like to do. Logically speaking, if the home is on a concrete slab, you'd think the concrete would be the most practical solution, but it isn't. Pouring concrete over concrete is a pretty tricky proposition. You've got to create some sort of bond between the existing floor and the new concrete. You're really looking at two separate slabs that will want to move independently when the house shifts, as it inevitably will. There are chemical bonding agents that will help new concrete stick to old, but they're better used when trying to resurface or patch over pitted or cracked surfaces. They're not really made for a pour at the depth you're wanting to do. 
Alternatively, you could drill a bunch of holes into the old floor and attach a network of reinforcing steel or rebar with an epoxy adhesive, but there's no guarantee that the two concrete slabs won't move independently, and the newer one is the one more likely to crack as a result. So, the answer is usually to attach some wood framing to the existing sunken slab and do the buildup with plywood. That's a fairly easy process relative to floating the floor out with concrete, and it gives you the advantage of being able to add some insulation to your floor, making it warmer in cold temperatures than concrete will, and you'll sure welcome that change in the master bedroom. Measure the depth of the sunken floor, allow for the thickness of the new decking, and cut the wood framing members appropriately. It's usually done with pressure-treated lumber since you're at ground level or below and possibly dealing with some moisture coming off the slab. I'm not a believer personally in putting a moisture barrier on top of the slab because the slab likely has a moisture barrier below it, and placing one above will only trap moisture in the concrete, and that can possibly cause mildew or even mold to form. The top of the framing has to be shimmed to level before attaching it to the concrete, so there won't be any dips or rises in the new decking. Attachment to the concrete is done with one of a few types of special fasteners either with wedge anchor bolts that have to be drilled and tapped into the concrete and require the framing to be counterboard so that the nuts holding the wood are flush or below the surface of the framework, or you can do it with a fastener called a tapcon, which cuts its own threads into the concrete when it's screwed into a pre-drilled hole. After the framing's in, foam insulation can be installed between the new floor joists flush with the top of the frame members. That can be done with spray-in foam, which is usually applied by a professional, or simply with rigid foam panels cut to size and laid in between the joists. After the insulation, it's just a matter of attaching new three-quarter inch tongue and groove plywood floor underlayment to the joists with construction adhesive and screws, patching the screw holes, and installing the finished floor. I sure hope that it helps you with your decision, Gregory. Thanks for writing. And don't forget, y'all can email me your construction questions or follow up on a situation I've already addressed to askterry at aboutmansfield.com. Or you can hit my Facebook page at Ask Terry AM Podcast or my Twitter feed at Ask Terry AM Pod. Look forward to talking to you next week. Reporting for About Mansfield, I'm Home Improvement Specialist Terry Radswin. If you have a home improvement question, you can send an email to askterry at aboutmansfield.com. Again, that is askterry, T-E-R-R-Y, at aboutmansfield.com. Terry will tackle another home improvement question next week. Saturday is National Chocolate Milkshake Day. Let's see if the weather's going to cooperate for an outing to your favorite ice cream store. Alexa? In Mansfield for the next seven days. Wednesday, 85 degrees and thunderstorms. Thursday, 78 degrees and intermittent clouds. Friday, 86 degrees and intermittent clouds. Saturday, 90 degrees and partly sunny weather. Sunday, 88 degrees and intermittent clouds. Monday, 88 degrees and lots of sun. On Tuesday, September 15th in Mansfield, you'll see partly sunny weather and can expect a high of 84 degrees Fahrenheit and a low of 67 degrees. According to Tarrant Regional Water District, your lawn needs no water from your irrigation system this week. Recent widespread heavy rain means your sprinklers can stay off while a cold front brings another chance of rain starting midweek. Now is a good time to look into a rain and freeze sensor for your system if you don't already have one. To see a map of watering recommendations for North Texas, log on to waterisawesome.com. That's a look at news and weather. If you have a news tip that you would like us to follow up on, please send us an email to news at aboutmansfield.com. Again, that is news 
at aboutmansfield.com. Just a reminder to follow this podcast so you will be automatically notified when a new episode is released. The easiest way is to log on to our website at aboutmansfield.com and enter your email address under the Follow Podcast by Email heading on the homepage. And if you own an Amazon device, listening is as easy as saying, Alexa, play the About Mansfield podcast. You can also ask Siri to play the About Mansfield podcast on Apple devices. Coming up after the break, when we switch from news to talk, we will talk about West Texas oil wells, Christmas in Europe, and swimming. In studio with school board president Karen Marcucci. Stay with us. I'm Steve Casillo with Colleen Daniel and the entire news team. And this is About Mansfield. It has literally carved the landscape of the planet itself. Yet beyond its beauty and its grace, it is essential to life itself. Water, it's awesome. Enjoy it. Just don't waste it. Visit waterisawesome.com. Hey, it's Steve Casillo, and I want to take a second to tell you about Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. It's where we record and produce our weekly episodes. Podcast Mansfield is a full-service studio with recording, editing, mixing, and mastering capabilities and can even help market your podcast. So whether you're a hands-on person who just needs a place to record your podcast or need the help from concept to completion, Podcast Mansfield is there to help. Conveniently located in Mansfield, for more information on starting your podcast or looking for a better place to record, Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio can be found on the internet at podcastmansfield.com. Again, that's podcastmansfield.com. Due to COVID-19, the record amount of unemployment and loss of health benefits to Mansfield area residents has been staggering. I'm Carmen McMillan, Executive Director of Mansfield Mission Center. There's never been a more critical time for the Mission Center to offer essential services. During the pandemic, the Mission Center has assisted hundreds of Mansfield area families with financial assistance, employment help, food, and or medical care. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance, Mansfield Mission Center is here for you. For more details, visit our website at mansfieldmission.org. That's mansfieldmission.org. Welcome back to another segment of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo. As we make the switch from news to talk and in the studio today, she is the current school board president, but there's so much more to her. We're about to find out. Karen Marcucci, welcome to About Mansfield. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. We're going to find out about not only uh, what you do for the school board and 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 why you do it, but uh, let's let's go back and find out a little bit about. Uh as I called you off the air, pigtail Karen. Um, and I don't even know if you had pigtails as, as a girl, but uh, uh, where'd you grow up and, and where'd you go to school? So I grew up in Clinton, Mississippi, um, which is a little suburb outside of Jackson, Mississippi. And I grew up in the era of Dorothy Hamill. So I did not have pigtails for very long. I had a very stylish Dorothy Hamill haircut for much of my younger years. Um, did they call that the Bob? Wasn't that? We just all said, we want the Dorothy Hamill because we were so idolized with her. I mean, she was amazing. And growing up in Mississippi, you don't really go ice skating. So I cannot tell you what a treat it was to watch her online and that are on TV. It was just amazing. So uh, (laughs) anyway, but I did grow up in Mississippi and um, attended uh, Clinton Public Schools there for a majority of my career. Um, My last two years, though, I um, went to the Mississippi School for Math and Science 
Alliance, which was a brand new concept for public education in Mississippi. And it was a public high school, but you had to apply to go in and it was a boarding school, but it didn't cost us anything. So I ended up leaving um, for my junior and senior year going to this boarding school in Columbus, Mississippi. Would that be like a similar program, science and math, that Gate students would be going through? It was uh, really interesting because it was housed on the university uh, or Mississippi University for Women's um, campus, and we took college-level classes. So I actually graduated having um, completed basic math, but I'd also taken Calculus 1, 2, and 3. Um, so it was a lot of college-level classes, and I got to take things like microbiology and things like that that you didn't get to take in normal high school classes at the time. So you're smart. I like to hang out with smart people. Okay. <laughs> Tell me about a typical day of, uh, now you were not Marcucci, that's your married name. So uh, tell me about a typical day of Karen elementary through high school. What kind of, what was a typical day for Karen? So um, I was a swimmer. I was yeah. a very big swimmer. Um, and uh, my very first swim lesson, I spent, I was told I spent most of my time plucking out the chest hairs of my swim coach because he would hold me and try to get me to kick. And I would just pull his chest hairs. And he told my mom there was no future for me. And that's all I needed. When somebody tell me, tells me I can't do something, that makes me really motivated to get to it. So um, by the time I was six, I had actually set the state record in um, 25-yard butterfly for the state wow. of Mississippi. And I think it's because I was the only kid that didn't get disqualified because you had to have the two-hand touch and yeah. all of that. So um, I was a very competitive swimmer up until about junior high. So I would wake up, drive 30 minutes to the swim pool in Jackson, and I would swim for a couple of hours and then come back and get ready for school and then do my regular school and then go back for the afternoon workout. So I did a lot of swimming. The workouts were before school? And after. And after. So a lot like the, the natatorium where they're starting at, what, six in the morning? And Yes. Yes. Oh very gosh. similar to that. So, um, so you've got you to have pretty dedicated parents to get you to a 30-minute drive to to the next town. My parents were the best. They're, they did everything for me and my brother. Um, they worked so hard to... Um, help support our dreams. Yeah. Anything we wanted to do, they went out of their way to make sure that we were able to figure out a way to do that. So they were phenomenal parents. <laughs> a little shout out to your parents? Absolutely. So, And they live in Keller now, so maybe they'll get a chance to listen to this. Um, and I love it because, again, they'll do anything for me. They moved to Texas so that they could be close to me and my family and um, their three granddaughters. And so I, I, I just am so thrilled to have them close. Yeah. Yeah, my dad did the same thing. When I moved to Texas in 2004, he moved to Denton from, from California just three months after we did. That's and phenomenal. Don't you love that? <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, did you have favorite classes while you were uh, while you were growing up? I, I really liked math and science, math uh, and science, which is a good thing since I went to the math and science school. Um, I was a founding member of the Higher Primates Club, so the brand new biology club at uh, Clinton High School, and so uh, those were a lot of my favorite classes. Were just those math and science ones that I got to take. Are you still in touch with any of your old classmates? I am. So. Um, um, a really fun story. There's a guy that I uh, grew up with in Clinton that actually went to the math and science school with me in Columbus that lives here locally now.
now. And it's so funny because his daughter um, actually works at the Mansfield Mission Center. And Get so we recently connected and had a lot of fun with that. And so, uh, yeah, who knew that they would make it all the way to Mansfield, Texas with me? <laughs> nice. What was your first car? Oh, I had um, a little Toyota Corolla. Uh, it was a bright red Corolla. And it was really funny because my parents bought the car so that I could drive to the math and science school and back safely. Um, my brother and I had shared a pickup truck prior to that point. And so they wanted to get me a little bit smaller car that got better fuel economy. And I was expecting a Subaru. Um, and I was <laughs> expecting not a very stylish one. But I got a what I thought considered, you know, what I considered an awesome little red Toyota. Toyota. So that's my uh, car that I had and drove it for years and absolutely love it to this day. <laughs> uh, older brother, younger brother? I've got an older brother that's three years older than me. Any other sibs? That's it. Just okay. the two of us. We were enough. <laughs> was, um, did your family take a lot of vacations? Are you a traveler? Very much so. So my mom um, actually was born in Panama in the Canal Zone. Oh, wow. So my grandparents, um, my grandfather was in the Army and my grandmother was a nurse. Um, and they both grew up in Virginia and my grandfather was stationed in Panama, um, and my grandmother decided to go to Panama to see the world. Uh, she was a nurse and was looking for something exciting. So they uh, met down in Panama, got married in Panama, and decided to raise their family in Panama. So my mom grew up there, and my dad happened to be stationed down there, um, and that's where they met. And they ended up um, getting married and then moved to Mississippi, where my father's family was from. And one of the things that my mom really, really wanted for her kids was to have the opportunity to travel. Mm -hmm. So uh, she worked as a nurse anesthetist for years, and she spent um, her paycheck primarily on trips for me and my brother. So um, I had the opportunity um, to go to Europe uh, at a young age, and I've had the opportunity to go to Panama. And my parents to this day are still avid travelers, and they have done a lot to make sure my girls have had the opportunity to see the world as well. So I'm very thankful for that. What's your favorite uh, place to... to that, one of the favorite places that you traveled to as a child? <laughs> this, this tells you a little bit about my science background. So we um, went to Europe for Christmas, okay? Yeah. And so I'm in Germany, in the Alps, and there are these beautiful mountains that are all around us, and I'm up in the middle of the night because of the time change, and I'm watching the garbage truck outside. And I'm so impressed. I have to go wake up my parents and let them know that they have to check out this garbage truck. It was the first time I'd ever seen a garbage truck where you didn't have to get out of the truck in order to pick up the garbage cans. So it had the, like, the little forks that would pick up the cans and empty it. And I was just amazed by the garbage truck. So my parents still joke about that to this day. I'm so glad we took you to Europe so you could learn about garbage trucks. <laughs> <laughs> the Europeans do Christmas right, don't they? Oh, my gosh, yes. A couple of years ago, my girls and I got to go with my parents for their 50th wedding anniversary to go see the Christmas markets. Yes. And so, yeah, we had a phen phenomenal time. It was really, really a great experience for us. And it didn't really snow until the very last day, so it was perfect for a Texan. Like, we got to experience snow but not be really cold in the middle of it. <laughs> My wife and I took our kids uh, probably seven, eight years ago to Paris for Christmas. Ooh. Oh my gosh. Uh, and you talk about the Christmas markets, and uh, it was also one of the coldest winters on record for, oh, wow. <laughs> for Paris. And so, uh, yeah, talk about uh, culture shock for us former Californians to go to Paris. Um, you know, your typical day was like 25 degrees. 
European Christmases are are phenomenal. Uh, where'd you go to college? So uh, when I graduated from the math and science school, I actually went to an all-women's college in Decatur, Georgia, um, Agnes Scott. There were 600 women there total, and I was one of two chemistry majors uh, that was that attended there. They gave me an excellent scholarship, and there was a lady in the community at the math and science school that had gone to school there that really convinced me that that would be a great place for me. And they also offered a program with Georgia Tech yeah. um, where you could graduate with your chemistry degree and your chemical engineering degree. And so that's what I thought I wanted to do. And then, um, but I wasn't real sure about that. I didn't know a lot of engineers. So when I was at Agnes Scott, I had the opportunity to spend a summer at Texas A&M and do research in chemistry. And it was in polymer chemistry, which was the big thing. So plastics, basically. Right, uh, plastic bags, right? <laughs> yes. Shop, the, the shopping bags are polymer, right? Yes, yes. Okay. And so um, I got to go do some research at A&M and when I was there that summer, I thought, oh, my gosh, this is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. <laughs> I thought what I was doing was interesting. But when I asked my professor about applications, he was like, applications? Why would we apply any of this chemistry? It's just showing that we can do it is the miracle. And I thought, I don't know about that. Huh. So I went over to the Department of Chemical Engineering because my advisor that summer said, I think you want to be a chemical engineer. And I went over to the Department of Chemical Engineering and loved the work they were doing there and decided a week before my parents were going to help me move back to Decatur um, to transfer to Texas A&M. And so the irony of all of that is I ended up graduating from Texas A&M with my chemical engineering degree, but I also got my chemistry degree too. <laughs> so uh, I really have enjoyed that. And then I've gotten my master's degree from UTA. I got my master's in business administration. So What does one do with a chemical engineering degree? Degree, anything they want. I tell, <laughs> I tell everybody that can, that was the greatest major of all. So when I graduated from college, I had the opportunity to work out in West Texas um, for Schlumberger doing wireline logging. Um, so working on an oil rig. Okay, and wow, I, I loved it. You were actually on the rigs. Yes, we'd be out there for usually about a week at a time. Did you get dirty? Yes, <laughs> that was my favorite part. It was phenomenal. Um, and But the oil industry is really up and down. And so I did um, get laid off from that job, you know, just because as, as the economy declined. And I went to go work back in Mississippi. I got to work for a chemical plant. Okay, get ready for this. That yeah. made acid-activated clay used in the purification of vegetable oil. So who knew? So like when they pick the soybeans, um, they have to filter it to get out the chlorophyll and some of the heavy metals and stuff. So we made the little filter media that was used for that. And um, I did that for a number of years. And then my husband and I got engaged at that point. And so I ended up moving to Texas because he's an electrical engineer. So it was really difficult to find two engineering jobs in Mississippi close together. And he was working in North Texas. So I came here and I had the opportunity to work for Techor Electronics making semiconductors. And then I had the opportunity to go over to Bell Helicopter and help make helicopters. And so, again, chemical engineers can do anything. That's right. <laughs> it's phenomenal. That's, that should be on a T-shirt. Yes. Chemical engineers can do anything. Yes. Uh, that's that's phenomenal. Uh, while you were on campus, so you, you, you graduated from uh, Texas A&M. Yes. Were you involved in any on-campus clubs, organizations, intramural uh, uh, frisbee golf or 
I wish. Um, <laughs> I wish I was athletic enough to have even made it an intramural team. Um, <laughs> it wasn't quite that good. My biggest um, athletic prowess was I was in a sorority and I was involved in Panhellenic and I got to play powder puff football. So I was a lineman and really enjoyed that, but never quite made it to the intramurals. Nobody was recruiting me or anything. Um, but I was really involved um, with um, Tower Council and doing a lot of uh, tours around campus sure. for people that came. And then Panhellenic, I was I was really involved with Panhellenic as the scholarship chair for them. And then also, this is really funny, I'm going to date myself, I was the computer operator for Rush. So I didn't actually have to participate in Rush, but I was the one that got up in the middle of the night and did the computer bid matching. And it was the first year they had ever done computerized bid matching. And so I did that, and did, the hey, little old ladies watched me to just, make sure it worked right. Just describe to our listeners what bid, bid matching is. because So the sororities have their list of their preferences, and then the uh, girls that are going through Rush have a list of their preferences, and they don't always match up. And gotcha. so it's the process of putting those together and trying to make sure that, um, you know, that that process works out. It's all um, pretty interesting to me because... The rushing part wasn't the fun part for me. The fun part for me was seeing a computer do something that people said computers couldn't do. <laughs> so that tells you a lot about you my are personality. A nerd, aren't you? Yes, yes. And and you know what? Uh, there's nothing wrong with nerds. Um, I take it as a compliment. Yes, yes. Post college, you graduated from college. You mentioned the, you had some of these jobs and and the oil rig job. At, I I'm still fascinated by that. Um, do you have any stories from the rigs? So uh, a lot of stories, because at the time I was out um, by Abilene, and yeah. I was, uh, in many cases, the first um, female engineer that any of these rig hands had ever seen before. And so it was really funny, because there was a little bit of concern when I got there, when I started running my own crews, if the guys would be willing to work with me, because I may not be able to lift as much as some of the other engineers that they had, because everybody was really physically fit that did this. Um, but it was really funny because there were a few guys that kind of took a chance on me and, you know, volunteered. And so when we went out to our first job, they were like, man, we're never leaving you because all the guys that normally take a break and um, the rig hands while we would do our work to do the wireline logging, they all heard that a girl was coming. Uh -oh. And so, and I was single at the time. And so they were so funny because they all came down like, how can I help? Can I help you do this? Can I help you do that? <laughs> so my guys got so lazy. They would just sit back and they would tell all the other guys how to set up the rigs and do all that kind of stuff. And then they would tell them, hey, I'll give you 10 minutes in with her while she's doing her job if you want to watch her do it. <laughs> So it was really funny. Nice. Uh, and you know what? I was okay with that because um, they worked hard for me. They were good guys. And I mean, everybody was extremely appropriate and very nice. And I learned so much on that job. But it was really kind of a funny time to be a female engineer working out in the oil fields of West Texas. I don't know that it's quite that way anymore. <laughs> and that's great that, that the coworkers accepted you. And You know, my philosophy has always been that if you show your heart and you show that you're a hard worker, um, it's really hard not to agree with that and work towards that. So um, we all had a common goal. We all pulled our own weight. And so it was pretty easy to get along. Yep. You said you met your husband in Mississippi. Well, I actually met him at Texas A&M. Gotcha. Uh, but I will tell you, I'm a very goal-oriented person, as you've probably figured out. And so when I graduated from college, he still had another year of college to go. And we really 
weren't at a place where we wanted to get married. Um, I really wanted to see what I could do on my own. And one of my longtime goals was to own a house before I got married. And so we kind of broke up at that point because I hadn't purchased a house yet. Oh, no. <laughs> so I had things to do. That, it, And so it was really funny because um, I did purchase a home when I lived in Mississippi. When I went back for that second job, I was able to purchase a home. And I don't know that it was even six months later that um, my husband proposed to me. And he's like, okay, she did it. Like, she got her house, and so now it's time. Okay, and now I'm going to swoop in. Yeah. Um, that's funny. You got married, what year, uh, what year did you get married? 2000. 2000. To make it easy to remember. Nice. Uh and you have kids? We do. We have three daughters. And I would assume one of the daughters, if not all of the daughters, is the reason why you ran for school board. Well, um, yes, all of them, to be honest with you. So I have twins. They're the oldest, um, and they're fraternal. They're not identical. And if you were to meet them, you probably would be surprised to find out they were twins at okay. all because they're very, very different. <laughs> and then um, and they're both sophomores this year. They're 15. So um, say a prayer because they're learning to drive. And then I have a, another one that's 13 years old. And so uh, we moved to Mansfield before we had kids. And um, when our girls were old enough to start looking at kindergarten, um, I was really surprised to find out that they weren't going to the school that I thought our house was zoned for when we built our house. And it was really interesting because I did some research and found out that uh, the school board had been presented three different maps for elementary schools. I remember those. And they had decided to redraw the maps and not use any of the three maps. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know school boards could do that. So uh, there was a lot of questions about that. And so that got me more involved. And, um, you know, my girls were zoned. I'm just going to tell you it was to Alice Ponder Elementary. And if you all remember the old Alice Ponder Elementary School, it wasn't in the best shape back then. It's brand new now. It's beautiful. This is on, on Pleasant Ridge. Yes, across right? the street okay. from the post office. Right. And so um, I went and toured. The, I had heard really terrible things about the school. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, you don't want to send your kids there. And I thought, I live in Mansfield. I want to send my kid to any school in Mansfield. Are you kidding me? So I actually um, called the principal and said, I've heard terrible things about your school, and I would like to know why people say these things. <laughs> was just very blunt about it. And so she uh, let me come in, and I had the opportunity to tour the school. And I will tell you, I was disappointed with the physical school itself. Mm-hmm. But the learning I saw happening in the classroom knocked my socks off. I was so impressed with that. And so um, I found out at that time that they were looking at a bond election to try to rebuild some of these schools that were in really poor physical condition. And so I got very involved with that 2011 bond because, again, Again, I believe that if you live in Mansfield, your child should be able to go to any school and you should feel very comfortable with the education that they're going to get there. So that 2011 bond uh, was my stepping off point. And then um, Sandy Vothauer was on the board at that point, And I really liked her. And I'd heard she was not going to seek reelection. Mm-hmm. And so I started to ask everybody I knew to run for school board because we need somebody to replace Sandy. She's such a thoughtful you know, lady and she does such a good job. And it was really funny because then I went to church with my husband at First Methodist Mansfield, where I work now, and um, our pastor was talking about... Jonah and the whale, and he ended his sermon with, what is your Nineveh? What is the thing that God has called you to, you know, that you're running from? And my husband looked at me and said, oh, my gosh, you're running for school board. Uh. (laughs) And 
so I did. I decided to run for school board at that point, and I did win, and I was very thankful for that. And I still have a great relationship with Sandy and um, enjoy her very much. And, uh, you know, again, uh, I feel like God has called me to that position. It's not necessarily something that I thought I would ever do, but I'm really glad that I'm here now. And I know you've been on the school board a while, but but since 2011? So seven years. Seven years? Mm -hmm. Seven years is how long I've been, so. We're talking in studio with school board president Karen Marcucci, and for the rest of the story, you're going to have to tune in next week. This is a two-part interview. You're listening to About Mansfield. We'll be right back. Hey, Mansfield. Did you know that cannabis is legal in Texas? I'm Sonia Salazar, co-owner of Wise Wellness. As cannabis educators and advocates, we can explain the differences and help guide you to your perfect CBD match. Wise Wellness carries a wide range of products, including oils, topicals, and edibles. For location and contact information, visit our website at wisewell.com. That's wise, W-Y-S-E, well.com. Hi, this is John with Pool Aid, your local pool care specialist. We here at Pool Aid would like you to know that coronavirus cannot be transmitted in pool water, so it is safe to use your pool or spa, just not for a pool party. For now, let's keep the swimming to our family that live in your house. If you have any questions or concerns or need a certified professional to help keep your pool safe and clean, visit us on the Internet at PoolAid.net. That's PoolAid.net. We're here for you. In 1999, Mansfield Cares was founded to be the safety net for those in need in our great city. Mansfield Cares built the first free medical dental eye clinic and the warehouse that is home to the only food bank in Mansfield. Our city's seven food pantries, Feed the Kids program, Back to School Bash, and college scholarships have all benefited from Mansfield Cares. Become a part of Mansfield's safety net. Donate today at mansfieldcares.org. That's mansfieldcares.org. We welcome all feedback about the program, whether it's about a specific news story or feature that you heard. Feel free to chime in by sending us an email to comments at aboutmansfield.com or by voicemail at 817-435-2938. Again, that is 817-435-2938. We will read or play back some of the comments in a future episode. Congratulations to Kerry Brooks, who was the first person to email the correct answer to last week's trivia question. Who served as an MISD teacher and principal for three generations of students and has a school named in her honor? According to the History of Mansfield Coloring and Activity book, Thelma Louise Jones was an MISD teacher and principal for 49 years, and the school named in her honor is located at 7650 South Watson Road. Carrie has won a $25 gift card to Brooklyn Pie and Cafe. It's time right now for the highly coveted, yes, it's wildly popular, it's the trivia question of the week. The first person to email the correct answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com will receive a $25 gift card to Brooklyn Pie and Cafe featuring a variety of authentic Italian dishes and pizza as well as appetizers, salads, subs, and burgers. You can check out their menu at brooklynpiecafemenu.com. Let's get to this week's question. Colleen? Well, Steve, the year was 1917 and Mansfield had an electricity problem. This week's question is, who received a 50-year franchise from City Council in 1917 to establish the city's first electric plant? 
Email your answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com. Again, who received a 50-year franchise from City Council in 1917 to establish the city's first electric plant? Good luck, and thanks to John at Brooklyn Pie for the gift card. Coming up next week on About Mansfield, it's our usual array of news, talk, and information, including part two of our in-studio interview with School Board President Karen Marcucci. The show will be released on Wednesday, September 16th. Until then, don't forget to follow this podcast, if you haven't already, so you never miss an episode. It's free and it's easy. Just enter your email address on our website, aboutmansfield.com. We will never send you any spam. We promise. About Mansfield is recorded at Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. Hosts Steve Casillo and Colleen Daniel. Reporters Stacy Main and Dennis Webb. Home improvement feature Terry Radswin. Sports Tommy Cummings. Post production editing, mixing, and mastering. Yeah, that's me. Thanks for listening on behalf of the entire news team. I'm Steve Casillo, and this is About Mansfield. <laughs>